Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on practicing his presence. This is part two. Okay, and so you can say you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And uh, you might also notice that we've also changed our time. We were previously meeting at 11.15 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We now changed that up. We moved it up an hour uh, for uh, internal reasons. But uh, So we're going to be starting meeting at 10.15 a.m. Uh, every Sunday morning. So that's our, our new time. So, and that will soon get reflected on the website. So it's not publicly reflected there. But we will get that fixed. So anyway, with that said, uh, let's go ahead and... Uh, jump into our message this morning. Last week, I introduced this new teaching series and topic as we're talking about practicing His presence. And we're going to be looking at this, excuse me, from a few different aspects, but I want to continue on my, uh, the path that I did last week and kind of echo some things as well. Let's say some new things on the topic as we were talking about practicing His presence. One of our key verses from last week was from Romans 121. <coughs> 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 it was also one of our key verses in our last teaching series. But we're just focusing on one phrase in this in this verse, in this series, where it says in Romans 121, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. We dealt with these four points in our last teaching series. I'm not passion and this teaching series. Okay? But we're focusing on this, this phrase, they glorify him not as God. And we looked last week at this word glorified, and if you study it deeper in the original language in, in Hebrew, it means to value. It means to prize. It means to esteem. Okay? And so, what are we valuing? What are, are we, do we value God more than man. Do we value what God has said more than man, or even our, our own opinion? Do we value God more than our circumstances? Do we value God more than our government? Do we, who, who are we magnifying? Who are we glorifying? Who are we prizing and esteeming? Is it, is it God or other things? And we also mentioned last week how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We'll be piggybacking on that for more this morning, these two verses. Okay, but last week we also mentioned that, and we, it was just a brief point, but it was a, a point that we, we carried through, is that based on the parable of the sower, we also know that Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in our hearts. Okay, and so... And this is very common. Anytime God says something, anytime we know the, in the parable of the sower uh, that the seed is the word of God. And anytime God's uh, seed is sown, Satan wants to immediately take away that seed. How I many you know he's, he's a thief to kill, steal, and destroy? And that seed can come, in, that seed or the revelation of something God has done can come in various forms. Not just the spoken word of God, not just the written word of God, and we obviously esteem those, and that's that's definitely within context of this verse and this parable. <coughs> but 
Satan wants the glory. He wants to be worshipped. He wants the attention on himself. And he definitely doesn't want the attention and glory to go to God. And that glory being what God has said, what God has done, what God has revealed, okay, whether it be God's blessing, whether it be God's revelation from God, whether it be a healing or provision that's based on what God has done through the finished work of the cross, based on the promise of God, which again is His Word, a teaching from God, which also from His Word, and also a seed, something God has sown in our hearts. Okay? And so we also, but we also looked at too, real briefly, last week, that in Philippians, Paul said that I have kind of lost everything. He kind of, I said, also, I count all things lost with the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ. And he counts everything else as rubbish, done, manure. Okay? And so, if you don't count everything as lost, compared to, to what you're talking about, glorifying God as God. We're talking about valuing God more than anything else. Okay? And if we're going to value Jesus Christ, as Paul said, more than anything else, then we're going to value what he said more than anyone else. And if we don't, then we can't do the things that Paul did. We can't do the things that Jesus did. We can't do the things that Andrew Womack and, and, and Wigglesworth have done. We can't do the things that Catherine Coleman and Billy Graham have done. We can't do the things that Joseph Prince has done. We can't do the things that Amy Simple McPherson had done. We can't do the things that John T. Lake and Spurgeon and many other revivals through the years have done. If we don't value God and glorify God as God more than anyone or anything else, then we don't value that. So what does this have to do with practicing His presence? Well, where do you get a revelation from God? Where do you get a word from God? Where do you even have the knowledge of knowing what God does? Because you're practicing His presence and His word from being taught, from you reading it yourself, from God telling you by His Spirit. Okay? The only way you're going to get a word from God is by being in His presence. Okay? And in His presence, and we're going to spend more aspects, like I said, talking about practicing His presence. But we need to value time with God. And when we, and if you spend time with God, He's going to say things. He's going to reveal things. And we need to value that more than anything else. We need to glorify God as God in our lives. We need to value God and what He said and what He's done in our lives more than anything else. So back to our key verse. We need to glorify God as God. Okay? You can't practice His presence without glorifying Him. You can't practice His presence without worshiping and praising His name. Glorifying God as God. And as Catherine Coleman said, because people ask her what's her secret, how many, how, much hour, how many hours does she spend a day with the Lord? And she says, I'm always spending time with God. Catherine Coleman cannot fathom not spending all her time with God. You know, I used to work retail, and I, when I'm stocking shelves, I would be worshiping, preaching messages, meditating on God's Word. There's other jobs, and as I go throughout my day now, God's word is always on my mind. 
I'm always having conversations with God all day long. Okay? I'm not saying there's not a special time where we spend time with God. But if we limit it to an hour, like Catherine Coleman says, then I'll expect God to reward me for that hour. I'll expect that the anointing came from that hour, and I'll, I'll, I'll put all the, the I'll, I'll expect God to do things my way, in my time. But we need to practice His presence all the time, because He has never left us, He has never forsaken us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is with us always. God's presence doesn't just leave. It doesn't just vanish like Tinkerbell or something like that. He's always here. He's always with us. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. Either that's true, or we're just being religious. Okay? And so, we're practicing His presence, and part of practicing His presence is meaning that we value what He says and what he's done, and what he's doing, and what he's told us to do, more than anything else. More than anyone else. Okay? Now, I want to also look at this word glorified. We've already, we've already, <coughs> excuse me, we've already touched in on the definition, but I want to give you another verse that brings this word out. I'm not so worried about the context of this verse, even though I'm always about the context. Don't get me wrong. I'm right now I'm studying this word. Okay? This word is also used in Romans eleven thirteen, when Paul says, For I speak to the Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Again, I'm not gonna focus on the, the context now, not because I'm not concerned about that. I never want you to take the word out of context. But we're looking at the definition of the word. Okay? That's what we're doing here. So bear with me. So the word, the Greek, the same word, Greek word used for glorify is the same Greek word used for magnify. That's my point. So the, again, the point I'm just trying to make is that the word glorify can also be interpreted as magnify. It's the same word. Okay, that's the point I'm trying to make here. Okay, so we're talking about glorifying, magnifying Him as God. It fits. Okay, the shoe fits. It makes sense, and, and I don't think that's a hard one. To look at. But even looking at this word magnify just for a moment, just take it from that perspective of that, of that translation of the word. In one sense of the word, we can't make God any bigger. God is who He is. You can't make Him smaller, you can't make Him bigger. The only way we can make Him bigger is in our perception. Okay? You know, in, you ever use uh, binoculars? And you're looking at an image far away. Through those binoculars, you're actually magnifying that image that you're looking from the distance. <coughs> Excuse me. And in all reality, you can't make that object any bigger. And you can't make that object any closer. Okay? But in your perception in the moment, using a device called binoculars, you can change your perception, your view of things from your vantage point. Does that make sense? I know it's silly, but you could turn those binoculars around and look from the big ends down to the small ends. You can actually make things look smaller. Okay? 
It's a silly perception, but we, all the time, everything that comes into our lives, whether it comes through our own mind, through other people, family, loved ones, the news, at work, in the, in the marketplace, in the world, we are always valuing or devaluing everything that comes across us. Every food category, every color, every what people wear, how people look, their personality, different things that they do, different things they said, different things they didn't say and they didn't do. We are esteeming or disesteeming, we're valuing or magnifying or, or making smaller, making bigger everything that comes to us. We all have our pers perception on everything. We have our opinion about everything. Okay? And so, with that definition of the word, with that definition of what magnifying is, we can't make God bigger, but in our perception, in our attitude, in our mind, we can magnify God. And we can magnify, we can magnify, glorify God as God. In our perception. Okay? Hopefully that's making sense so far. And based on that perception, and if we're going to magnify God as God and glorify God as God, I want to ask you a very personal question. What's bothering you? What's going on in your life right now that's bothering you? Some of you, whatever's bothering you has been bothering you for a long time. Some of you has been going on for decades, for generations, a lifetime. And beyond that, what's derailing you and making you fall apart? Let me re-ask the question, but I'm really asking the same question. What are you magnifying? Are you magnifying God as God? Are you magnifying the thing that's bothering you? Which one are you you? If I say you're glorifying your problem, most of us would not, might not connect with that. But now, now that we know that the word magnify and glorify are the same word, are you magnifying your problem? That hits home. Because I think we all have done that, and we all are doing that many times. We're magnifying, we might not be magnifying the, 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 the thing as God, if we use the word God. But we are letting the thing that's bothered us be our Lord. Because we are bowing down to it. We are submitting to it. We're letting it control us. We're letting it dictate the way our life will go. We're, we're, we're letting it be Lord of our lives. And we might not put it in those terms, but that's exactly what we're doing. We're magnifying the problem as God. Well... With my binocular, we have actually made God small and the problem big. And we need to make the God big and the problem small. Because whatever you're going through, it is small compared to God. And you need to stop magnifying the problem, and you need to start magnifying God. Okay? See, we have misplaced values as a society no matter what culture you're in. <coughs> Excuse me. For example, I hear a lot of people, especially here in the West, 
for years, for decades. I said, our kids, our youth, are, are the most stressed out generation of all time. From their perception, to, from their binoculars, they view that they're the most stressed out. And yet all my life I've read stories, I've heard stories, I've watched movies of youth, kids, in the frontier days and many other eras, not too far from the era that we all find ourselves in the now, where even 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds had more stresses at a youth, like an adult, than most adults have right now. And when I see these movies, hear these stories of people even back in the 1840s and other eras surrounding that, before that, and even after that, and the stress that the youth went, went through that time and that season and that culture was nothing compared to what the youth are going through now. It might be different. The parameters might be different. The scene might be different. The challenges might be different. But we're in a very privileged and luxurious society versus what they went through. We're in a very easy generation with all the technology and resources we have compared to what they had to go through. But again, what I'm talking about is based on your perception. Some of you will perceive that one generation had that worse, and some will perceive that this generation had it worse. It depends on what value you and I put things on. And our values can be misplaced. But versus what's reality. Okay. I'm not here to argue whether one generation is going through harder than another. But I believe sometimes our values can be misplaced. Okay. Hopefully that makes sense. Because it's based on the way that we think. It's the way that we, even society, has taught us to think. One is more than the other. Back to my point that I made a minute ago. We all value, we all magnify or minimize everything that comes to us. Everything. Including one generation to another generation. What they're going through. Okay? And even what I just said, I magnified one generation and minimized another. Okay? And you might, you might, your opinion, your perception might be different than that. Okay? And so, in one sense, you have a choice. I have a choice. To our opinion. To, you have a choice where you value, I have a choice where I value. We have a choice where I magnify, you have a choice where you magnify. We have a choice where we glorify. We have a choice. Doesn't mean our choice is right, but we have a free will, we have a choice. Am I making sense? I can't tell you what you value, and you can't tell me what I value. You can't you can try. You can you can you can be as arrogant as you want. I can be as arrogant as I want. But when it all comes, no matter what you force me to say or whatever I force you to say, I in my mind, in my heart, in my perception, I either value or devalue everything. I either magnify it or minimize it. I'm paying that as a backdrop to we need to glorify and magnify God as God. Otherwise, we're going to have vain imaginations 
and our hearts are going to be darkened. Okay? But no matter what you and I are going through, remember I asked you a question? I asked you what's bothering you right now? And maybe it's multiple things. Maybe it's one huge thing. Maybe the thing is just so complex, it would take you hours for you to describe what's going on. It's big. It's complex. But no matter what it is, no matter what word is to describe it, it's no problem for God. Because no matter what you're going through, no matter what we're going, I'm going through, it has nothing in comparison to our God. Am I making sense? What does this have to do with pastors and his brothers? Because the only way I know my God is by spending time with him. Okay? I'm getting that. Let me, let me set this up. For example, a doctor, you might be having a good life, but the problem you just were diagnosed with some big disease or cancer or COVID. Can I just say something? That if whatever the doctor diagnosed you with, and it might be the C word, cancer or COVID, It's not so big. It's not so magnified. That it's going to dim the lights in heaven if you get healed. It's no problem with God. Whatever it is, whatever the disease is, whatever the financial problem is, whatever the, the relational battle is, whatever the government has or is doing, I am going to glorify God as God. I'm going to magnify God as God, and I'm not going to magnify that problem. Whatever it is. Because whatever that Goliath is, it has to bow to my God. Am I making sense? I want to ask a question in the midst of talking about what's bothering you. Do you really believe God? Do you believe that God can heal cancer just as much as you can heal the cold? The common cold? In one sense of the word, the common cold, the, the cancer, COVID, is no different than the common cold. It's no problem for God. Because Jesus, by his stripes, took care of both of them. The same blood, the same cross, took care of both of them. And I'm going to magnify God as God. I'm going to minimize the problem, cancer, COVID, death, lack, even sin. I'm not going to magnify sin. I'm going to magnify God. You might have an addiction. You might have a lifestyle that many of us will probably disagree with. 
But I'm not going to magnify the lifestyle. I'm not going to magnify the sin. I'm going to magnify God as God. I'm going to, I'm going to put value on God, not the problem, not the sin, not the failure. I'm going to magnify God as God. Okay? What value are you placing on the problem versus the value that you're placing on God? Remember last week I had a seesaw? I don't have that seesaw with me today, that's fine. Okay, I think I have a pen, so I'm just going to work on my seesaw. Are you valuing God or are you valuing the problem? Which one are you glorifying? Which one are you magnifying? Which one, what value are you placing on the problem, on the sickness, <coughs> excuse me, on the debt, on the failure, on the sin, compared to God? Which one is bigger? Is cancer bigger than God? Is COVID bigger than God? Is the disease bigger than God? Is debt, your debt, I mean, you might be in debt to the millions. Is it bigger than God? Is the, the relationship, the, 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 the struggle, the divorce, is it bigger than God? Is the sin bigger than God? That Jesus became sin, that you might become the righteous God. Is it bigger than God? What do you value? Cancer or God? Sin or God? Debt or God? What do you value? I want to encourage you, church people, friends, to glorify God as God. Being faithful. And let Him control your imaginations. So that your heart's not darkened and hardened to see the glory of God. What that problem is bothering you. I encourage you to magnify God. I encourage you to glorify God. I encourage you to praise God. And to give Him thanks. We'll spend more time with this in weeks to come. But I encourage you to meditate on His Word. We're talking about... <laughs> We're talking about practicing the presence of God. And to glorify God as God is the first step of staying before the presence of God. I teach this, others teach this, on how do you stay full of God. The first step is glorifying Him as God. And one of the, excuse me, One of the disciplines that can help us stay in this, this mindset is to meditate on God's word day and night so we will have great success. Joshua 1.8 I encourage you to find someone, a character in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, 
that has a similar, that has a similar problem to you. The parameters might be different, but there's something that you can connect with. And meditate on how God was God in their circumstance, in their situation. Church, friends, we need to get to the point where God is more real to us than the problem. We need to get to the place where God is more real to us than our bank account. We need to get real to more. We need to come to the place where God is more real to us than what the doctor said. And our lab said. We need to get to the place, folks, where God is more real to us than what our friends and our family and even our pastor said. Including me. We need to get to the point where God is more real to us than what our government has said and is doing. We need to get to the point where God is more real to us than all the evil and wickedness that we see going on in our world. We need to get to the point place where we are God is more real to us. His word is more real to us than even our own minds. Because God's word is true. And God is bigger. God is bigger than our government. God is bigger than all the wickedness and evil in the world. God is bigger than what the doctor said. God is bigger than our bank account. God is bigger than our own minds. God is bigger. And we're going to glorify and magnify God as God. Am I making sense? Okay. See, I'm not going to turn to it, but in Second Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat was facing a big, actually three armies, three big armies that were coming against them at a time where Israel, the armies of Israel were weak militarily. There was no way in the natural that they could overcome this battle. But King Jehoshaphat, if you read 2 Chronicles 20, he put his worship team on the front lines. As if he were to say, I don't care what's coming against us, our God is bigger. Okay. See, intentionally, King Jehoshaphat disesteemed the problem, the three armies coming against him. And he put no value on the three armies coming against him. He put all of his worth and value on magnifying God. King Jehoshaphat chose to glorify God as God and not magnify the three armies coming against him. What about David and Goliath? David comes on the scene where King Saul and the armies of Israel have been wallowing in fear for 40 days as this giant taunted them. And when David came on the scene, he glorified God as God. He says, he, David put everything in perspective to who his God was. <coughs> Excuse me. David never glorified or magnified Goliath. 
David only magnified God. He says, I don't come against you with stone and spear. I'm paraphrasing. I come against you in the name of the Lord. David magnified his covenant relationship with God. David magnified God. And he extinguished the situation. A little boy that was younger than some of the youth that we said are going through tough times today. And I'm not trying to minimize that they're not going through tough times. But what the younger generation is going through is nothing compared to our God. And if Satan can use young people to push his program, I'm here to magnify God and say God can use young people to push his program. Satan does not minimize the value of our youth. And if Satan is not going to minimize the value of our youth, I'm not going to minimize the value of our youth. And I believe that God can use our youth to bring revival to our country, bring revival to our schools, bring revival to our homes, bring revival to our governments and our cities and our nation and the world. Okay. I talked about King Jehoshaphat. I talked about King David. As he was a little boy. Excuse me. Let me give you another example, using me. In one sense, I don't value your opinion, if you don't like me. Obviously, me preaching week after week on Facebook and many other medias. I know what God has called me to do. And I'm simply sharing through these messages with God has revealed to me. I I don't want you to dislike me. That's not my aim. That's not my goal. That's not my desire. I want to help you and others through these messages. That's why I'm doing it. Because God's called me and I want to help. But at the end of the day, I really don't give a rip if you don't like me. Because I value what God's called me to do more than you. I value what God's called me to say more than you. I value what God has told me to do more than you or anyone else. I don't say that to offend you. I say that to magnify my God compared to you. Because when God called me, it wasn't a conference call. Okay? I value who God is and what he's told me, what he's revealed to me, more than anyone else. Do I have people who pastor and speak into my life? Yes. And if I don't even know your name, then I, you know, you're not, you don't have that voice in my life. But there's certain people God has placed in my life who do have a voice in my life. Okay? But even them, I value God more than men. It just... When it comes to people, there is a pecking order. Okay? When people in God's place in my life, including my wife and family and parents and whatnot. But at the top of the list is me and God. Me and God is the top of the food chain. 
I value that more than anyone else. I don't say that to offend anyone, but if anyone's offended by that, then be offended. Because I'm going to glorify God as God. End of story. Okay? I'm not making sense. I didn't say that to be offensive. I said that to emphasize a point. That I'm going to value, magnify, glorify, exalt God more than anyone else's opinion. I'm going to exalt His Word above anyone else's opinion. Okay? And so, see, it, the book of Proverbs talks about how it's a snare for me to be afraid of man's opinions and of man's acceptance more than God's. It's a snare for me to be more afraid of you than God. It's, it's a snare for me to desire your acceptance more than God's. Okay? I want to... <coughs> excuse me. I'm not here to attack you. I'm here to magnify, glorify, and tell you that I value God above anyone and everybody else. And you should do the same. Okay? So that's what we're doing here. See, when we allow other things or other people, to become more important, we can begin to compromise and move away from the revelation of God. And move away from what God has called us to do and where God has called us to be. When we allow other things, circumstances, or people, or things, to be more important than what God has said, what God is doing, we move away from the revelation of God. The revelation of God. What does this have to do with practicing His presence? Everything. Because how do you even know what God has told you to do? How do you even get a revelation from God, from His presence? And when you're in His presence, He tells you what to do. He gives you a vision. He gives you a calling. He tells you what to do. The only way to move from that, that calling and that revelation, excuse me, is to value other people, other things, circumstances, that tells you why you can't do what God's called you to do. It tells you, if, you're, if God calls you to do something, and your bank account or circumstances says that you can't, guess which one lied? Are you hearing me? If God's called you to do something in your bank account, our circumstances says that you can't do it. Guess which one has to change? God doesn't change. Again, and I've said this over and over again, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you following me? Excuse me. Again, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you know his love, God's love, is the same yesterday, today, and forever? God's joy is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's peace is the same. His goodness is the same. His healing is the same. His provision 
is the same. His promises are the same. His anointing is the same. His presence is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Every day, every day is healing. There's healing there. Every day there's provision there. Every day there's promises there. Every day there's the fruit of the Spirit, His goodness, His kindness. Every day, His presence is the same. His anointing is the same. Jesus is the same. God's the same. The Holy Spirit is the same. He never changes. His word never changes. His will never changes. He never changes who he is. He never changes who he does. He never changes what he says. He is the same. And so what I'm trying to paint a picture here, folks, is God's not the variable. He's the same. We changed. We disesteemed God when we esteemed someone or something else more than God. We came out of His presence. We, we, we went to His presence, into His Word, into relationship with God. He gave us a revelation. He gave us a word. He gave us a direction. He didn't change. He's the same. We change. And we disesteem what He said, what He did, because someone else, something else, or something else, that we magnify, glorified, more than God. And because we didn't glorify him as God, we weren't thankful. We went to vain imaginations and our foolish heart was darkened. Are you following me? I'm not saying this to reproof you. There's reproof here. But I'm saying this to help you. I'm saying this, church, that we all, including myself, need to glorify God as God. That's the first step of practicing his presence. I hope you follow me. I hope I'm making sense. If this message so far has wowed you, has say, Amen, Pastor, you're right. I have been disesteeming God because of other things and other people, because of circumstances, because of what's going on in the government, because of what the doctor said, or the fine my bank book says, or the big or the problem that I'm going through right now. Because it's something that's bothering me. It's been bothering me for a long time. If you find yourself in any of those positions, what, what's your response? How do you fix this? Three things real quick that fix, they help you fix this. And they're all really the same thing. But you need to repent, refresh yourself, get refreshed, and recover. Repent, refresh, and recover. Repent. What do you mean repent? The word metatonia Repent means to change your mind. Change your mind, change your direction. Get focused on God. Come back into His presence. Because if you don't know how to change, if you don't even know how to repent, come back to His presence. He'll guide you by the Spirit of how to repent. And it's in this presence that He'll refresh you and recover 
everything that you've lost. And when God refreshes, when God restores and recovers, He always does double than He did before. Are you following me? If you don't know how to get back on the wagon, to get back on the horse, start glorifying Him as God. Get back in His presence. Because He inhabits the praises of His people. Return to your first love. Okay, did I pass that scripture up already? Right, coming up. Return to his first love. Revelation 2 4. One, remember one of the churches? In the book of Revelation, one of the seven churches? Jesus said, I nevertheless, I have this gift to you that you have left your first love. Some of us have lost our first love. You can't have a love relationship with God without being in His presence. You try having a, a, a love relationship with your spouse without being in their presence. Or with your kids or whoever it is that you love. If you're having a relationship problem in the natural, one of the first steps you need to do is get together. And love on each other. Forgive one another. Get over it. And spend time with each other. But we're talking about passing His presence. We're talking about valuing, glorifying, magnifying God. <coughs> we're talking about how we have all derailed from esteeming, valuing God over anything and everything else. We've all missed the mark. We've all gotten distracted. We've all let the cares of this world weigh us down. Okay? And some of us are just being choked. There's another part of the parable that some of us are just being choked out. The enemy is stolen our seed. We don't know how we got off the mark. But when, when God, when we were in His presence, and what God told us to do, and what we're experiencing now are two different things, two different stories. We don't know how we 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 got off the trail. Well, how do you get back? Get back into His presence. Glorify Him. Return to your first love. And when you're there. Say something to the effect, Lord, forgive me for placing more value on other things more than you. Forgive me for magnifying other things more than you. Forgive me for glorifying other things more than you. <coughs> Excuse me. Forgive me for putting more value on people what they say more than you. Forgive me for valuing Sports. Nothing wrong with sports. But if you value sports more than your relationship with God, you need to repent. If you value your business, your career, more than God, <coughs> excuse me, you need to get back into His presence. If you value your family, you should love your family. You should spend time with your family. But if you value that more than your relationship with God, 
You need to repent, refresh, and recover. Forgive me, Lord, for valuing what the doctor has said. Nothing against doctors. I thank God for them. But I'm not going to value them more than I value God. Excuse me, I'm getting too excited. Some of you need to value. Some of you need to repent for valuing your debt. And maybe the debt is because of your own folly. Well, some of you need to stop valuing your own folly more than you value God and God's ability to restore you. Excuse me. <coughs> some of you need to repent from valuing the issues of life more than you value God. On there. Trying to get back. <coughs> Have you ever read the stories in the especially in the Old Testament in the Kings and the Chronicles? And how many times <coughs> excuse me, the stories will go how Israel forgot the Lord their God. And yet many of us we go to church every week. We have devotions every week. We call ourselves a faithful Christian in many ways we are. But we have valued other things more than God. And in that context, we have forgotten God. Are you following me? In that context, We've forgotten God. We have stopped glorifying God as God. Compared to the thing that's bothering us. The giant that's harassing us. The armies that are coming against us. The wickedness that's in our world. We need to glorify God as God. Are you following me? With this in mind, I want to go to the book of Haggai, or Haggai, to know how you want to pronounce that. We're going to read most of this book. It's only two chapters. We're not going to read every verse, but we're going to read a lot of it. We're going to start with verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. And in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetile. He's the governor of Judah. Okay. And to Joshua, the son of Jezekiah, Jehoshaphat, the high priest. So Haggai, all that to say, Haggai has a word from God to the governor and to the high priest. Okay? That speaks the Lord of us, saying, this people says, the people are saying, the time has not come. That the, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So Haggai has a word to the governor and the high priest. It says, the Lord says that the people are saying, it's not time for, for us to build God's house. <coughs> me, verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple 
to thine rooms. Now therefore, it says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much, and you bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure and it be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I threw it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens you, above you withheld the dew, and the earth withholds its food. For I call for a drought on the land, and the mountains on the grain, and the new wine and oil, and whatever the ground brings forth, on man and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. There's a lot here, and I know we're speaking Old Testament right now. But there's some value here. Okay? We're going to read some more in just a minute. But God says... Everything you did, all the satisfaction, all the fulfillment of everything you've done, I blew it away. Why? Because my house, their priorities were backwards. They started building the temple of God, and then they got distracted building their own homes. And they said, it wasn't time for us to build the temple of God. We need to build our own lives first. Let's take this in the New Testament, some of it. Who, where's the temple now? Are we not the temple of the Holy Spirit? Are we not the house of God? Is our relationship with God not more important than our lives? Yeah. We're talking about practicing His presence. Church, I want to remind us to return to our first love, that we need to practice our own relationship with God first and before everything else. If we want Him to bless the work of our hands and everything that we put our hands to, if we want the blessing of God on that, then we need to magnify God as God and let Him be Lord of our lives. Where first? In our in the in the, in the in the holy place that he had bought with his blood and made us the temple of the Holy Spirit. His presence. Are you following me? Now if you continue to read the chapter, they did, they obeyed, they hearkened to the voice of God, they did rebuild, but then we'll pick up in chapter 2. And then the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet saying, excuse me, Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of Chittal, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Same introduction as we had in chapter 1. Who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? That was Solomon's temple. How do you see it now? In comparison with it, is it not in your own eyes of nothing? Now, now follow me so far. They started, they, the whole reason why they went back was first and foremost to rebuild the temple. You can read a lot of this back in Nehemiah and also Ezra. Okay, the reason they went back was to rebuild. They, stood, they did well. 
I mean, Nehemiah talked about building a wall, but uh, anyway, I don't have time to get all the history here. But they were supposed to go build a temple, first and foremost. They started well, and they got distracted, built their own homes. They got reproved. From chapter 1, they responded. They started building again. But when they, went, when they, when they began to rebuild it in obedience to God, they can what happened. God said to the book of Prophet Haggai, they're now looking at what they're building, and it is nothing compared to Solomon's temple. This is a link, this is something the guy at Ikea versus something that Solomon built. Okay? And so, and I'm not putting that Ikea, don't get me wrong, I'm just making a joke. But anyway. Now, verse 4. Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel. To the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work for I am with you. We're talking about practicing His presence. God's with us, says the Lord of hosts. And according to the word that I coveted, coveted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Are we not the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's with us. His spirit is in us. He didn't leave. He's still here. We stopped. We got refocused. Do not fear. Now we're dissatisfied because it doesn't look like what God did before. It doesn't look like nothing compared to that. But he says, be strong, I am with you. He goes on to say, but thus says the Lord, once more, it is a little while, I will shake the heaven and the earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. In you, in this temple that God has purchased by his blood, is the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory. Says the Lord of hosts, the silver is mine. God might not own the dollar or the zin or, or the pound or any other thing, but he owns all the silver. And he owns all the gold. And there's many other gems too. And says the Lord of hosts, and the glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in the place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. <coughs> Excuse me. Now I want to jump down to verse 18. He says, consider now, from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. When was the foundation laid in our hearts when we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? I mean, you know, if the seed's in the barn, nothing is in the ground to be harvested. You following that? You following that logic? The seed's still in the barn. How can you expect a harvest when the seed's still in the barn? The foundation's been laid, but the seed's still in the barn. But as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the, all, all, the olive tree have not yielded fruit. Why have they not yielded fruit? Because the seed's still in the barn! The olive, the, 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 the great seeds are still in the barn. The pomegranate seeds are still in the barn. The fig tree seeds are still in the barn. 
before me. But from this day, I will bless you. Why? Because we, I put God first. And have built this temple. This dwelling place for God to dwell. We're talking about practicing his presence. Are you following me? What am I trying to say here, folks? There's a lot I can glean from the story. I can spend a lot more time here. I love reading Haggai. I've spoken on this many times through the years. But right now, in this context of what we're talking about this morning, I'm here to tell you to start glorifying God. Get back to the basics. Get back to what He wants to do. Glorify Him. Talk to Him. Have a relationship with Him. Prioritize his presence. Prioritize building his house. What is his house? You and your relationship with him. You are the house of God. I'm not talking about building your body and building it up. There's a place for that and exercise. If that's your desire, I'm talking about passing, building up your, 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 your most holy place. And that's between you and God and your relationship with Him. Are you following me? Remember what He's done. I'll spend time on that in just a moment. Focus on what He's done. Be reminded of the goodness of God in your life. Worship Him. Magnify Him. Thank Him. Glorify Him as God. That's what we need to do. We need to get back to building the foundation. Building the Precept upon precept, yes, but we need to get back to glorifying God and building this house. Are you following me? But I also said something, though, we're going to spend more time in weeks to come. But we need to remember God. We need to remember what He's done. How many times in the Old Testament He says, Remember what the Lord God, how He brought you out of Egypt, how He did this and how He did that. You know, Samuel, 1 Samuel says, it says, and Tim took a stone in between Mizpah and Shin, and he called the name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. He made a pillar, a stone. He called it Ebenezer. He's our Ebenezer. Okay? I mean, recently, I've been focused on, we've been praying, Sherry and I have been praying for some direction for us in the church and the ministry in our lives. And he reminded me how God, what God did for me in our high school revival. I don't have time to share all that story right now. How he led us from day one when we were married 23 years ago. And he led us to Wisconsin and then Illinois and then California. And then when California, he led us to Cabina and to Redlands and Ukaipa. He led us to Karis Bible College. He led us to Upland and, and, and Ontario and Camarillo. And now we're praying for some new direction that's to come. And we don't know exactly what that looks like. And we're praying that direction. And he's been telling us to remember that thus far the Lord has helped us. Okay? We, and we, we need to remember that in, just like he was with Samuel, thus far God has helped us. And even in our own lives, and you have your own story. How God has been with you thus far. He has helped us. 
Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He helped you before. He'll help you again. He'll lead and guide you again. May come back into his presence. Glorify him as God. Go back. Remember. Remember consistently that thus far God has helped you. Do what he's told you to do. No matter what anyone else has said. Don't compromise. Do what he's called you to do. Don't be distracted. Don't be pulled away. Make him his word more real than what anyone or anything or even your circumstances are telling you. Many of us have forgotten God. Many of us have gotten distracted building our own panel houses, our business, our jobs, and other things. And we've forgotten his first love. And we got away from his presence. Return to his first love. But can I can I can I encourage you with this too? When you return to your first love, and you go back to glorifying God as God and get back into his presence, don't ask God for a fresh outpouring. Well, Pastor Dave, what do you mean don't ask for a fresh outpouring? Because to me, that's like saying, God, what you did before at Pentecost wasn't good enough. He poured out his Spirit upon all of us. Many of us have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, we don't need a fresh outpouring. God didn't leave. We left. We forsook him. We forgot him. We got distracted. We pulled away. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're the ones that changed. Jesus didn't change. God didn't change. <coughs> Why do we need a fresh outpouring when we're not enjoying the original? I don't want, I don't need a fresh one. I need to partake of the original one. We're the ones that quit. Okay? We're the ones that stopped glorifying him as God. We are the ones that stopped, walked away from him. It says in Colossians, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. We stopped walking with him. Being rooted up and built up and established in the faith as you've been abounding there with thanksgiving. We stopped thanking him. We stopped abounding with thanksgiving. We stopped walking with him. We received him, but the same way you received him, so walking him. We stopped. Okay? And we value, we prize, we magnify, we glorify other things more than God. And we need to come back. We need to repent. Refresh. Because if we come back, you don't need a new, you don't need a fresh outpouring. You just need to be refreshed. In the original outpouring that he already had. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. You need to come back to his first love. And then I said recover. We can recover everything that we've lost. As if we've never lost anything between now and then. I don't care if it's been a half a century. I don't care if it's been a lifetime. When you come back, you can recover everything that you lost. But Dave, you don't understand. I can't. 
I do. No, you don't understand. I value God more than all the time that's lost. Because He can restore everything that can't get one. He can restore it all, like locusts. They've lost time. But God can restore. And I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture. When God restores, He restores double. He always restores double. God always restores more than you ever lost. It was, but it was my fault. Well, it's always our fault. It's never God's fault. God's never the one at fault. We are. Maybe other people are involved, and so we can put the, we can play the blame game all day long. But I don't care if it was someone else's fault or your fault. I believe in God, and I value God more than your faults. Your blessing, your recovery, your restoration is not based on you. It's based on Him. It's based on God, His promises, His word. Here's, another, here's a verse to prove it. In Romans 11, 29, For the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. You cannot revoke God's calling and gifting on your life. You can't revoke it. In other words, you never lost it. You never lost it. God never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. <coughs> okay? You never lost it. You're the one that quit. You're the one that got distracted. You're the one that began to value other things. But God's gifts and callings in your life are irrevocable. And I'm not just talking to the fivefold ministry. You all, we all have giftings. We all have callings. Okay? I'm not saying we're all apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, event, whatnot, whatnot. But we all have a calling. We all have a purpose. We all have giftings. And they're irrevocable. Okay? You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David was going through one of the most tough times of his life. It says in verse, uh, chapter 30, verse 6, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But it says David, in his darkest hour, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In his darkest hour, David magnified God. He chose. You see, we can get a pair of messes like this, or we can look at our problems, what the government's doing, what we've lost, our faults, our, our other circumstances, cancer, the doctor's report, or look at the death. Maybe it's our own doing. Maybe it's someone else's doing. Maybe someone just just uh, hung us out to dry. Someone betrayed us, slandered us, and did all kinds of stuff to us. And we can choose to ball and squall. We can choose to gripe and complain, or we can choose to magnify God. You can ball and squall all you want. You can gripe and complain all you want, or you can glorify and magnify your. God and change the circumstance. See, for 40 days, the armies of Israel, King Saul, were following and squalling about Goliath. And then David showed up. 
and he had a different spirit. He magnified God. And in just a few moments, he took care of that thing. And he cut off his head. And he took the whole Philistine army and they were running. Church, we need to practice his presence and we need to focus on God. We need to turn away from looking at natural circumstances. And we need to start magnifying God. It says in Romans 4.20, but he didn't, Abraham, talk about Abraham, compared to just like David, he, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. We're talking about glorifying God and God and Abraham because he didn't waver at the promises of God. His faith was strengthened. How many times did Jesus say, oh, you have little faith. How long do I have to put up with you? That was, that was Jesus' response to his disciples and followers many times. Many of us have staggered and wavered at the promises of God because it's just too it's just too impossible. What promise? You're talking about a guy who was in his nineties. Pushing up, pushing a hundred. God told me he's gonna be the father of many nations. I mean, nine decades have gone by. Most of us won't have not lived that long. And yet. He was strengthening his faith in his 90s, giving God glory, saying, God, I don't care how old my body is. I don't care if certain things have just shrunk up and have vanished and have become extinct in my body to have kids. But you are bigger than my body. You are bigger than, than, than all of these things that, 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 that take place. And he was strengthened. See, when we make God bigger, our faith will grow. Our faith will become strengthened. And Jesus said, all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible to those who believe. And we can strengthen our faith because we believe God. See, most people magnify the problem. Most people will magnify the Goliaths. The problem. Most people who come to Abraham think, Abraham, sorry man, you missed your bus. You waited 90 years too long. Well, that's not what God told him. That's not what God told him. Sarah and even Sarah and Abram thought they missed the boat too and they, they, they produced an Ishmael. They made the problem even worse. They actually disobeyed God. But God didn't change the promise of God because the gifts and calls of God are irrevocable. Okay? And they were strengthened, giving God glory. We need to restore the right value and honor and glory and majesty that belongs to God and God alone. We do that by coming back into His presence and magnifying and glorifying God as God. That's what we're talking about. Which, glorifying God as God. When He comes back here. See, Satan 
changed the value. He tried to steal that seed immediately. Satan changed the value by getting us to put that attention and value on physical things. But having a God is the only thing that matters. We're talking about practicing the presence of God. We're going to get into other aspects of this as we go forward. And I know I spent two weeks at this at the beginning because I just felt like this is the direction God wanted me to go with this. And we need to put value and worth on our relationship with God above everything else. Above everyone else. And we need to do it consistently. If you want to stay full of God, you need to value and put worth on your relationship with God more than anything else. And if you will value and put worth on your relationship with God, practicing His presence more than anything else, you'll always be ready to receive healing and wholeness in your mind, in your body, in your whole being. If you will stay full of God by being in His presence, by putting value in it, You'll always have the fruits of the Spirit of joy, peace, goodness. And all the nine attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. If you will consistently value <coughs> His presence, you will always have access to all the deliverance that you need, all the power that you need, all the anointing that you need, all the provision that you need, and the well will never run dry. You will always be in season. You will always be equipped to do every good work. If you will value consistently practicing His presence and glorifying God as God, whatever you need, whatever you desire, you will determine how full of God you are because you practice I want to close with a quote that came from Andrew Womack on what true revival is. True revival is simply you being so full of God that you overflow on someone else. True revival is that you're so full of God's presence that you overflow on someone else. You want to change the world, you want to change your family, you want to change your country, your city, your community. Practice His presence. If you practice your presence, His presence, consistently and value Him, what He says, what He does about everything else, Satan knows you are His worst weapon. Because nothing is impossible for someone who will practice. That's what Captain Coleman did. That was what Wigglesworth and many other mighty men and women of God have done through the ages. And they weren't perfect. And we're not going to be perfect. But they saw a lot more results than many of us are seeing because they practiced his presence. They put his presence first and foremost. And they saw results. It's our choice. 
We can be a mediocre Christian. Or we can be someone who's filled and overflowing with the presence of God. And be ready in season and out of season for healing, wholeness, deliverance, provision, direction, etc., etc., etc. It's awesome. You and I need to glorify God as God above everything else. We need to put value where value is due. We need to put honor where honor is due. To him be all glory, honor, and power forever and ever. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Amen.